Well, good morning. Our uh, scripture passage we're going to begin with is from the Old Testament prophet Hosea, chapter 11, the first 11 verses. I'm going to read through those. You can follow along on the screen, or if you have a Bible with you, a Merse Bible or a phone app, you can do that as well. Hosea 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him and I called my son out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the farther he moved from me, offering sacrifices to the image of Baal and burning incense to idols. I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand. But he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck and I myself stooped to feed him. But since my people refuse to return to me, they will return to Egypt and will be forced to serve Assyria. War will swirl through their cities. Their enemies will crash through their gates. They will destroy them, trapping them in their own evil plans. For my people are determined to desert me. They call me the Most High, but they don't truly honor me. Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or demolish you like Zeboim? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel, for I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the living, holy, living, holy one living among you, and I will not come to destroy. For someday the people will follow me. I, the Lord, will roar like a lion, and when I roar, my people will return, trembling from the west. Like a flock of birds, they will come from Egypt, trembling like doves, they will return from Assyria, and I will bring them home again, says the Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. You have crossed the line. How, how, how often have you heard that said to you, or how often have you said that to somebody else? You have crossed the line. And we, we use that phrase, don't we, when we want to communicate to somebody that they've gone past a, a, a barrier, gone past what's maybe socially acceptable or appropriate in a situation, maybe even what's forgivable in a situation. We, we might use this uh, line in a relationship, a business partner, a neighbor, uh, a friend, maybe even in a marriage or a relationship with children. You have crossed the line. We want them to know you've gone too far. You need to back off. You need to make things right. Unfortunately, sometimes when somebody says that phrase, you've crossed the line, they mean this is the final straw. You've gone farther than I can forgive. Um, There's no coming back from this. The relationship is severed and it's over. Because why? That's a reality because as human beings, we have limits. We have limits in our patience. We have limits in our ability to forgive. We have limits in our love. Now, I try to reconcile that dynamic that we as human beings have with another reality. I mean, I'm guessing if I asked most of you, are you a follower of Christ? Most of you would say yes. I would answer yes. But there's a disconnect between what I say and what I do, what I say, I believe, and how I live. There is for all of us. There's, There's always that discrepancy, that disconnect, that gap. And there are many times when we you know, cross the line, so to speak, spiritually in our relationship with God. Now, when that happens, there are people who have asked me as a pastor, 
is it possible that I could cross the line with God that I could never get back across? Is it possible that, that God's love that we sing about, that we celebrate, that somehow that love could be lost to me? Maybe you've wondered that. I believe the answer to those questions is found at least in large part in a better understanding of, of the nature of God, who he is, and in particular, in the love of God. Now, as Tyler said, we are kicking off the immersed Bible reading, uh, and I hope you can join us as we go through this, the prophets. There's a lot of kind of weighty stuff you can get bogged down, but you're going to see as we go through this, as we preach through this, uh, we're going to learn a lot about the nature of God, about who he is, and we're going to learn a lot about the human condition and, and God's relationship with his people. Um, and, 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 and there are two primary themes that we see here in the book of Hosea, and you see them also through a lot of the prophets. One of them is the, the seriousness of sin. You know, God takes sin seriously. God is a holy and just and perfect God. We, we see this over and over in the scriptures. And, and, and whenever we, we fall short of his standards, the, the, the Greek word for sin is hamartia, which means you've missed the mark. You know, we, we don't live up to his standards. We fall short uh, in our words or our thoughts or our deeds of what his will is for us in the situation or in our lives. God takes sin seriously. And as we're going to see in the prophets, the, the people of God, the people of Israel, they are living in deep, entrenched, deliberate, long-term sin. They're, they're seemingly trapped in this cycle of, of long-term sin. And God, God sends prophets to warn them. God allows the consequences of their actions to come upon them in the hope that they'll come to their senses and return to him. And so one of the themes we see in the book of Hosea, but also in all the Old Testament prophets, is that God takes sin very seriously. We're going to delve into that more and more here and there in the coming weeks because that's something you just can't avoid. It's, it's there. It's over and over. This relationship with God and his people. But there's another theme that I want to start with this week, and then we're going to fill, uh, flesh it out some more since this morning, is this, this theme of, of, of God's incredible, unfailing, can we dare say it, irrational, illogical love. And we, we see this in the first 11 verses of the 11th chapter of Hosea. Basically, we're told through God, despite your sin, despite your rebellion, despite your failures, despite my frustration, with this and my, and my broken heart because of your sin and this and that, I've got a plan. That plan includes my love for you. It's sourced in my love for you. I mean, we look at Scripture and God is many, many things. He's indescribable. He's mysterious. He's above all things. We can know him personally, but we can't fully grasp who he is in, in some ways. But above all things, the Scripture tells us God is love. First John 4, God is love. And, and God's love saturates this passage from Hosea. Listen to verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, the Hebrew word used for love here is an all-inclusive love. It's a, it's a, I don't hold anything back. No reservations. I'm all in. Everything I have, everything I are, uh, that, I, that I have and am, I, I, I direct it towards you. I'm focused on loving you. I, I, I want to benefit you. I want to bless you. I'm working on your behalf. But God's love is is more than, than action because it's, it's more than an indescribable commitment to sinful people like you and me and the people of Israel. It's also a deep, passionate feeling. 
And we see as we read through Hosea, and this passage in particular, but other places as well, God's heart, it's bursting with love and feeling for his people. And we can see that his heart breaks when his people sin. You can hear it in his voice, like a parent who is heartbroken over a child who, despite their best efforts, rejects them and makes awful, self-destructive choices. Listen again. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. So God's calling to his children. He loves me, calls to them. And they turn and they walk the other direction. The more he pleads, the more they walk away, the more they reject. God loves us passionately. It doesn't make sense, does it? It's illogical. It's, it's irrational. I mean, one could say, uh, in a sense, in God's relationship with his people, that God comes out on the short end of the stick. That God comes out on the wrong end of it. That God gets you know, ripped off. That God gets taken advantage of. So how can he love us? Can you come up with a reason to, to explain it? Can you come up with a list of reasons why God should love me or, or love you? I don't have anything. His love is totally undeserved. You know, I understand I'm his child. I'm created in his image. Uh, I understand that Jesus died for me, that God has made a, a promise and a covenant to his people. I get that. But I hope I don't get to the point where I think I feel or deserve, that I, that I think or feel that I deserve God's love. Because I don't and neither do you. It's irrational. I mean, if God were a stockbroker on Wall Street and he struck a deal like this and went into business with, with people like us, he'd be laughed at. You're a sucker. You got taken on that deal. You got ripped off. Now, in case you think I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating or given to hyperbole, let's turn to the beginning of Hosea. Some of you will remember the story. Uh, Hosea is told by God this in chapter 1, verse 2. Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land, the land talking about Israel, God's people, for like an adulterous woman, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. And so Hosea obeys God and he marries a woman named Gomer and they have three children. Can you imagine I was talking with Paul about this between services what it was like for these Old Testament prophets? I mean, that's a pretty crazy thing. I mean, who would sign up for that? But Hosea does it. He marries a woman named Gomer, and they have three children. And then, hope, and then, and then Hosea's heart is broken because Gomer, she continues, or she returns to prostitution. I mean, he has, he's tried to make her respectable. He's given her a home. He's given her his name, a family, redemption, a new way of life. And she goes back to giving herself away to others for money. I mean, she really, really crosses the line. It's got to be over, right? I mean, how many of us would accept our spouses back if they did that to us or if we did that to them? I mean, she's proven what she is. You'd have to be a glutton for punishment, stupid, naive to, to take her back. I mean, there's got to be limits here. It has to be over. Chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord said to me, to Hosea, Go, show your wife, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, 
Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. I like raisin cakes, but uh, it's talking about these raisin cakes that were used in idol worship. And Hosea does what God asks of him. Can you imagine the neighbor's response or his family? Can you imagine his, his parents, if they were alive, or his, his brother or sister, like, what are you doing? You're going back to her? Are you stupid? You deserve what you're getting. It's unbelievable. What are you thinking? Love her as the Lord loves Israelites. Love her as the Lord loves his people. Doesn't make sense. But if we begin to understand who God is, this God who, who, who in a sense gets taken advantage of in the relationship with us, we can begin to grasp a little better the mystery of God's love. And so there's a few things I want you to understand about God's love from these 11 verses in this 11th chapter of this Old Testament book. First, God has loved, and he does love, and he will continue to love sinful people. Jeremiah, another, another Old Testament prophet, God says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Makes me think of the, you know, the Energizer Bunny, except God doesn't need batteries. God never runs out of, 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 of love for his people. It just goes on and on and on, eternal, everlasting love. I mean, you know, we, we, we talk about the mystery of God's love, but the real mystery is why, why we reject it. I mean, why do we reject it? It's a deal of a lifetime. I mean, the Bible tells us that, that, uh, that God takes our ashes and he turns it into beauty. And metaphorically, in a sense, you could say that God takes us off a street corner in a red light district and he makes us his bride. The second thing, I want you to understand about God's love is that God expresses his love tangibly. Not something abstract. It's something that he feels and something that he does. Verses 3 and 4. It was I who taught you know, Israel, or Ephraim, another name for Israel, to walk. I led them with cords of human kindness and ties of love. I bent down, I stooped down to feed them. If you've raised a child from, as an infant, you, you know what he's talking about here. You, you know that kind of love, what you, you invest in the child, your hopes and your dreams, and you, you teach them to walk, you, you feed them, you, you, you raise them up, they're helpless, totally dependent upon you. God says, I love you, and I will continue to love you, and I will show you that I love you. I've given you life and family and friends and gifts and abilities and skills, and I've given you my son. Romans 5.8 says this, God demonstrates his own love, tangibly, he demonstrates it for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, if you ever wonder, does God love me? Can he love me? Look at the cross where God says, yes. God doesn't stay in heaven and kind of look down and say, love you, thinking of you, watching you, have a great life. Through Jesus Christ, he comes to earth, and let's be frank, he gets into relationship with unfaithful people, spiritual prostitutes, if you want to call a spade a spade. I'm including myself. He comes to earth and he loves us. He, he, he buys us back from sin. He, he brings us home to live with him forever. The third thing we see is God's love will not fail. Verse 8, this is God again. How can I give you up? How can I hand you over? Hand you over to what? The consequences of their choices. 
If you're a parent, there have been times you've struggled or agonized about this. How can I give you up? How can I hand you over? How can I treat you like you deserve? Because time and time and time again, as we look at the story of the Old Testament, and it resonates with us, Israel failed. They crossed the line. And, and you and I really aren't any different, are we? We cross the line different ways, maybe. We maybe fudge the truth or cheat or, or lust or abuse or hate or, or selfish or self-centered or materialistic or, or whatever, fill in the blank. We cross the line. We don't do what we should do, and we do what we shouldn't do. And God continues to love. He won't give us up. He continues to love. His love never, ever fails. The end of verse 8. My heart, this is God talking, my heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. That's, that's good. That's good news. Now, what precipitates this change in God's heart? Did Israel say they're sorry? Did they beg for mercy? Did they make some huge change and turn over a new leaf? Is there some, some evidence of, of substantial progress spiritually? Even a baby step spiritually? No. God's heart changing was not dependent upon anything that they did. It was totally dependent upon his love. Indescribable, unbelievable, dare I say irrational love. It doesn't make sense. They don't change. I mean, we see the cycle, help us, God, you know, and, and, at, and, and then they fall back into sin. It's repeated over and over and over again. They're seeking God not because they you know, truly love him. They seek him because they don't want to suffer the consequences. And it breaks his heart as he sees the judgment that comes upon them for their, their choices and their cities are destroyed and families are split and loved ones dead and they're in exile. They're overrun by Assyria. And no doubt, some of them in a moment of reflection must have asked a question to somebody else or to themselves or have we crossed the line one too many times with God? Has God reached his limit? Is it over? Has he withdrawn his love? In Hosea, God says no. God still continues to love and even though God hates their sin, he hates all sin, he hates our sin, it seems that there doesn't seem to be a line that Israel can cross that will make God stop loving them. He will give them over to judgment. He will let them go their own way, but he still continues to love them. It doesn't make sense. Now, I've got lines. We all have lines, if we're honest. I mean, there are things that somebody could do to me or one of my loved ones, that would probably end the relationship. You know, because I have limits to my patience and my love, but not God. He remains faithful when we are not. He continues to love even when we reject. And you might say, well, you don't know what I've done or where I'm at. I don't, but God does. And God loves you no matter how many times you have crossed the line, no matter how you might feel, God has loved you from the moment before you were born. He, he loves you now, and he will continue to love you. And that's 
in the midst of the sin and the cycle and the coming judgment, that's the good news. That God is a God who loves us and is faithful to us even when we're unfaithful to him. And thank God for that. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your love for us. And Lord, it it really doesn't make any sense that you would continue to love us because we know that we fall short in so many ways in our lives. We know there are days when we're unfaithful. We know there are days when we go our own way. Uh, And we know, Lord, that there are days when we persist in doing something that we clearly know is not a part of your will. So forgive us for that, Lord. Help us, Lord, to take our sins seriously. And, And thank you, Lord, that you are a God who loves us despite all our failures, that you're long-suffering and compassionate, that you do not love us as we love each other, but you love us in a more profound, deeper, eternal, everlasting way. So help us, Lord, to grasp that and to receive it, to never take it for granted, and to walk in your ways of truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen.